Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, we get 2020 started with a chat with Rich and Bolelli, which finds Bolelli battling his anxiety again. So we take the hour to talk about it in hopes that it will help others and what we can do about that, while realizing that it's always possible to lift yourself up from a bad place. So here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast, episode 172, the first of 2020. Sure to be a wild year, and uh, that may be putting it mildly. Danielle's been suffering from the return of his anxiety, and this time it's as bad as it's been in a while. So the amazing part is that it really doesn't show on the exterior. Even Savannah couldn't detect it. And he wants others to know that they're not alone and hopes this discussion of his troubles will help others out. Good news is, uh, since we recorded this, he's been off on vacation. And since he got back, he's feeling much better, but is always on guard for the next time. We thought it'd be a great idea just to chat about it so others can know that they are definitely not alone. Real quickly, let's fly through these. The kind folks that help us uh, keep the show rolling on the air. And of course, the first one is our good pals at Onnit, O-N-N-I-T.com, the home of human optimization. We invite you to check out their awesome website, everything from the beloved Alpha Brain to fitness products you may have never even seen before, the crazy battle ropes or the cool kettlebells, all kinds of great stuff at Onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, forward slash Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T. Sure design t-shirts, most every color imaginable, scores of cool designs for men, women, kids, drop by their site and just have a look around. That's what we ask you of any of these websites, you know, they, they help us out and we just like you to go take a peek. You're bound to find something. That's sure design t-shirt with no hyphen. Grasslandbeef.com. Beef, pork, bison is just the beginning. We were lucky enough to enjoy the beef ribeyes for our traditional Christmas barbecue. And, oh, my God, tender, delicious, tasty. I could go on and on about them. But I invite you to go check them out. Grasslandbeef.com. Nevertapgear.com. Great knee protection that doesn't get in the way of your workout, as well as a Savannah's awesome rash guard. Give them a look. Snow Roast Coffee. For the folks of you out there who love great coffee, snowroast.com. Those guys are up mile high in Colorado making small batches of coffee to make your day a little zippier. You can always donate at the link on our website if you want to get your name botched at the end of the show. That's where that happens at. And also there lives the Amazon link. Go through that link the next time you buy some things at Amazon. And our pal Jeff Bezos will give us a, a nice little piece of uh, that action that costs nothing extra for you. And finally, Kiva.org. Helping strangers, $25 at a time. Team Drunken Taoists, 
now has $143,000 in loans out from 225 of your fellow listeners. And three of those members are brand new. So a special hello to our newest members, Benjamin, Anthony, and Maria. Welcome aboard, guys. I hope you enjoy helping others out. And like I told you, it's a loan, and when you get the money back, you can turn it right around and loan it out again. I have some loans that have been out four or five times at this point, and it just keeps helping and helping and helping, and it's quite fantastic. And if you ever want to get your money out, when the loan comes back around, you can take it and be on your merry way and go get something good with it. All right. So that's everybody. So let's get into this conversation. He's really open about a lot of stuff in this, and I think I think it really will help some folks out, or out there suffering from the same thing, and I really appreciate him doing this. So here we go. You know, there's a story that um, I believe Mike V told it to us, I think. Don't quote me on it because I haven't... Actually, no, I told it to Mike V, so somebody else must have told me. So don't quote me on it, but um, the story I heard regarding Bruce Springsteen was an interesting one because Springsteen is known for doing these insanely long concerts that oh, most yeah. people four hours at the least yeah where he plays and plays and plays and then plays some more which is really not typical music industry stuff you know you go in you do your set you get out you get paid you go home Springsteen keep playing until basically the audience is like look we have to go to work or something can we <laughs> I hear I hear but one two three one more basically right <laughs> and the story I heard for why he does that is really fascinating because Springsteen has been pretty open about dealing with some heavy stuff in his life you know depression and you know dealing with his demons and the thing was that when he's uh, when he's on stage his demons take a step back and he's happy and he feels good. So he doesn't want to stop playing. You know, when he's on stage, he wants to stay on stage. I can only imagine. Can you imagine how great it would be? Yeah, because then when he tends, that's when all that stuff come back up. So he's like, no, 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 let's keep going. Mm. I can play for the next 18 hours if you guys stick around. (laughs) And it's interesting. I mean, he's... um, I was talking about it with um, with Isabella lately because, you know, we're looking at some artists she like, musician, this, that, and the other. Like, lately I've been uh, fairly obsessed with um, Audio Slave song. And um, so we're talking about Chris Cornell. And, of course, it's like, oh, what's with him? And he's like, oh, he hanged himself. And what's with, oh, I really like this other singer. Oh, yeah, she did too many drugs and killed herself. And what about... And, you know, that pattern is ridiculously common. I mean, it's almost a stereotype, but there's a truth to it, which is if you are, in order to be a great artist, musician, writer, whatever, your brain needs to be wired differently. You know, it's, I'm not talking New York Times bestseller bullshit, where it's like a soulless product crafted by some some guys in in a committee basically you know crafting out books like that no, i'm not talking about that i'm talking about stuff that that is a strong uh, 
emotional impact in things. You know, in order to produce stuff like that, you need to be an unusual human being in some way or another. You need to have emotions that most people don't feel or don't feel to the same degree. Or have access to them that we don't. Right. The price to pay, of course, is that sometimes those emotions fuck you up. And unfortunately, that happens more often than not. It's like, it's the last, uh, you know, in the book on the warrior's path, my first book, the last chapter is all about that. It's all about kind of Nietzsche, martial arts and dark emotions and finding a channel to express them because otherwise they fuck you up, you know. And again, it's a blessing and a curse, right? If you learn how to ride that wave, it's a blessing because you can relate to pretty much anybody because your emotional range is extremely wide. You can understand where people come from. You have a certain sensitivity that allows you to produce these amazing things. That's the gift. But if you don't know how to keep it in balance, it's also something that the day when you lose your... I mean, you're riding on top of like 30-foot waves, right? If you, if you can ride it, you just did something amazing. If you lose your balance, you become food for fish real fast. Real fast, and the way they're the way they're dropping off these days, I mean, yeah. the Juice World kid that was insanity. Once again, looks like it could be Chinese fentanyl, sure, fake drug. Mac Miller was one of my son's all time favorites. He's been gone a year. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunately it would be nice to say, oh, it's a bullshit stereotype, but it's like it applies in so many cases which, over and over again. Incidentally, that's why Tom Robbins is one of my heroes because he's an incredible writer with great sensitivity and he's just happy. He's in his 80s. He had a great life. So to be able to pull that off, hats off and I love you deeply if you can do it. But of course, you know, in plenty of cases, that's not an easy thing. And um, and that kind of is um, pertinent, I guess, to our discussion today because, you know, we're chatting the other day and, yeah, I've not been in the best frame of mind as of late. So it's uh, another reminder that is like, God damn it, I'm not quite as out of this stuff as I was hoping to be, you know. And that's kind of where I'm at, you know. is um, In my case, I don't think I have... Um, I don't think I have a super heavy depression. I think what I do get is a pretty high level of anxiety. And when anxiety, I can't shake it off for too long, that start turning into depression. But I, so I think it's a little different. You know, it's not like that kind of like people sometimes deal with crippling depression that leave them in bed and they can physically get out of bed. That's not what's going on with me. I mean, I tend to be, I'm, totally functional. I get shit done. I, it doesn't affect my quote-unquote productivity in any way, shape, or form. But there are literally moments, like maybe a month ago or something, I was at some kid's birthday party and I'm sitting there with some of the other parents and I'm having a conversation and the conversation from the outside looks totally pretty normal. Fine, completely normal. I'm flowing with it. I'm going. I'm this. Inside, I'm literally feeling like I'm drowning. I feel like somebody grabbed my head, shoved it underwater, and is holding me there. And I'm just going like... And, you know, it's, it's a weird feeling because you're not... Even though it physically feels that way, like you're out of breath, you feel like pressure in your head, you feel all this weird shit, you, you know you're not dying unless, unlike somebody who actually is being held underwater, but it also still feels that way, you wow. know? So it's... Uh, it's like, fuck... 
this is hard. Was it a vapid conversation that was just boring you to death, no. or was just the moment just just snuck up on me? Wow. And and I think I think one of the things that I'm really pissed off about right now is that I felt like over the last few, you know, granted, okay, I've been dealing with heavy shit in life. I get it. That's fine. Some people deal with much worse too. So it's not that my case is that unique, you know? But the point being, I feel that I've made progress over time. You know, every year my downs are a little less down than before. You know, there are cycles, there are ups and downs, but I learned how to play with it. I have more tools to do this with. I have stuff I've done. I felt like my downs were never as heavy as the year before. So, you know, you, you, you take some reassurance in seeing this linear progress in a good direction. And this year, for reasons I can't figure out, I got my ass kicked so bad. Like the last two months, I've just been feeling this sense of gloom and doom, this sense of anxiety, this sense. And again, not just sense in my mind, like physically sometimes feeling that way where your heart starts beating really fast for no good reason or you're out of breath or you are and you do every medical checkup in the world and it's not that. So it's just your fucking mind, you know? That's just... Uh, and I'm pissed because I'm like, man, didn't I already do that homework? Didn't I already move past this stage? Why am I even being dragged back here, you know? Do you think everybody's experiencing it right now, though? It feels like 2019 was a long year. Yeah. And there's just so much. I mean. Everybody's so angry and everything's so divided and not picking a side. I think that wears on folks. I mean, there's certainly, if you pay a lot of attention to news, that definitely is not going to improve your mood. There's that for sure. There's... Uh, you know, in my case, I, I did some a bit of soul searching, and I could I was looking for triggers of what could, and I could find probably four different things, but again, none of them to me add up to the royal fuck up that has been the last two months. So okay, time of the year for sure. You know, this is the time of the year when my wife got sick, when everything started going to shit. So there's a body memory there, but you know that was also last year and the year before, and they weren't as bad or something. So okay, that's one part. My ex-girlfriend got diagnosed with cancer, so that clearly brought back stuff. Granted, they caught it early, she's probably going to be okay, but still, it's one of the things that bring it back to life in a different way. Certainly. Uh, I had to make some big life choices, you know, probably moving out of LA and changing things, which I'm actually excited about. I think it's actually a, could be a cool thing, but again, I can count that maybe added some stress about, you know, some people deal with change very well. I less so. Well, I and a move is one of those top, a, top five most stressful things anyway. Right. So there's that. Probably added something at least. I definitely get stressed by subs fighting. That's something that I never really dealt well with me. And uh, it continues not dealing well with me. It's just one of the things that's in the back of my head all the time. Of and course. it stresses me. But again, all those four things, I'm like, eh, yeah, I mean, sure, they all make sense. But it's not a bus fell on your head kind of shit. You know, it's like, so, I mean, there's a part of me that sort of blame myself, which I understand that's not the right way up to go about it. It's like, why are you just being such a little bitch? Just get over it already, you know? It's like, which I understand that's not it very productive. It doesn't fix anything, though. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so I get it. But there is also that sense of like, 
what's your problem, man? It's like, things have gotten better. Your life is good in plenty of ways. What the fuck? You know, why, why are you still here? Why are you in that mental space? And I don't really know the answer, you know, and, and I'm doing stuff about it, you know, I'm trying to figure it out. And um, and again, many people deal with this shit to the 10th power. So my stuff is not nearly as bad as many other people. You know, I still get shit done. I still, I can find comfort in playing with Isabella or doing this and the other, you know, so I do. But I don't know, man. It's just one of the things where sometimes you think that you are in a healthier, stronger place than, than you find yourself to be for reasons that you can't quite decipher. So that's kind of... Uh, so that has been uh, my mood as of late. You know, I think I'm snapping out of it because, oddly enough, you know one thing that helps me snap out of this shit? Uh, when I get angry. Anger tend to... Because when I get angry... I get a sense of defiance that kicks in and that defiance makes me the opposite of the oh, poor me, this sucks. It makes me in that like, hit me harder, motherfucker, because you haven't stopped me yet. So, you know, I'm full back 10 times. I'm back up 10 times kind of thing. So all the, I mean, I don't think that's the healthiest thing possible. You want to actually deal with some root causes and figure those out and resolve them for good. But for the short term, some angry defiance feel fucking good. It's, it sure beats the alternative. With all those uh, uh, wild Conan dreams, it makes me nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's that, right? Is uh, Yeah, that makes me nervous too. It's Some... funny. I thought you said hangry, which around my house is the oh, horrible combination see, of see. hungry and angry. Of course. No, that but is yeah, bad. That will that be bad. That is not fun. No, no, I get like... You know, because sometimes when you are in that state for too long, you start commiserating and being in a poor me mode. Either or poor me or stupid me. So either blame yourself or pity yourself. Neither one of which help in any way, shape, or form. You know, and doesn't help you get out. And having that reaction of just like, fuck you. I'm sure, dish it out. I'll, I'll still keep coming. Helps a little bit. Helps at least steer things up. Isn't it certain, certainly super important that at least you have acknowledged it? Sure. That's got to be helpful in many ways. Sure, sure. But I, I think you're right. At the same time, sometimes there's the... It becomes your role. You become attached to it. It's like, I'm the depressed victim. I'm my own mental victim. I'm, the, the, I'm dealing with the, my life. Is this, And we start telling ourselves this story where we identify with some of the shit that we go through, rather than, no, this is just shit you're going through, that's it. So it's such a fine line, right? Because if you don't acknowledge it, then yeah, it's bad because you're repressing stuff that will haunt you down, down the road. If you do acknowledge it too much to the point of identifying with this thing, it's like it's what you are, not simply something you're going through, then you never get rid of it. It's a strange game. The mind is a mysterious playground. Well, especially in a world when uh, we seem to be dealing with separate facts and all things now. Yeah, I mean... It just seems to be splintering around sure, us. Sure, And that's disconcerting at best. Yeah. No matter which side you're on, once again, 
there's so much distrust around. It just it, that's what depresses me. Have you it ever all dealt, seems like it's uh, falling apart. Have you ever dealt much with either anxiety or depression? Or Fortunately, no. Neither one. No. That's very cool. That's very very. And good. now I'm starting to feel bad about that. No, fuck <laughs> that. That's that's great. It's never. You know me. I just kind of roll with it. You know, I do get upset and and troubles do happen. But sure, man, I just. I don't know. Maybe it was my collection of just calamitous, horrible stories in the documentary world. When you've seen people tell their stories about Rwanda yeah, yeah, or yeah. shit like of that, course. I mean, I, I refuse. And I do feel sorry for myself. A certain, I'm sure everybody does. But, man, it's hard to be upset when you're driving around Los Angeles and know that somebody's in a fucking slum in Dubai. No, no, for sure. Or, you know, India somewhere. And that's why even I think about my shit, right? You know, have I seen and gone through harsh experiences? Yeah, for sure. There's so much worse. You know, there are people who have gone through the same shit 10 times yeah. with just about every loved one they have. And, you know, so it's like, it's all relative. You know, it's like everybody's got their traumas. Everybody got their shit going on. Um, there's no scale of like, hey, I'm winning the victim Olympics. You know, it's like, fuck that. That that doesn't help anybody. So, you know, I acknowledge that, yeah, their trauma is real. There's uh, something there, but... I, I think I'm annoyed because I felt that I was part of a process that was progressively getting better. And for lack of something dramatic happening that you say, okay, I can see how that would throw you off course, finding myself off course for no good reason that I can think of bothers me. I guess it's a lot like, you know, we've got our sobriety friends on our side now for a little while that people should check out. It's, it's everyday battle. Mm -hmm. You never, you know, one day at a time for sure. sure is and maybe it's sort of the same thing that yeah you do get a handle on it and then all of a sudden from right field yeah i guess you know what it would at least mentally would help the mind if you see what causes something to go off the rails then it's like oh if i understand the cause then i can do something about it yeah we don't tend to get that yeah that doesn't that's sort of part of the secrets that, that they keep away from us yeah i, I just um did you see the recent Dave Chappelle special? I he does a little bit on Anthony Bourdain. Mm, yeah. That, you know, I'm not linking your stuff to being suicidal no, no, or anything, but, but the concept of this guy who most likely had one of the greatest jobs in the world sure. to go around, hang out with people, eat, and yep. be friendly, and make a great show. If that motherfucker can't make it. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> and it was a stunning realization. Yeah. I feel exactly the same way about it. Yeah. Um, what do you think of that? The th just through the years, you know, people I've known have done the same thing. And you can never get a grasp on it. But through the Bourdain thing, what I heard is the only thing I could make any reason out of is that people get in places so dark. Mm -hmm. And no one else knows about it. And they are certain they're all alone. And they're certain it's never going to get better. And that's what it leads to. And that's just a terrible notion. And here is one of the things that sucks, that even if you're not like in a, I'll keep it hidden, or you talk to people, and maybe you have nice people around you, people who will listen to you, will talk to you, who care. So that's already better than plenty of people who don't have that option, yeah. right? So even if you do, it only goes so far. And really not that far, to be honest, because the reality is, I appreciate the concern, I appreciate the good thoughts, I appreciate the time you spend, 
that still doesn't change that feeling that I have on me, this heaviness that's crushing me down, you know. So all that, while it certainly beats the alternative of being alone with nobody who cares or listens, for sure, that's definitely beats that. But it doesn't really solve it, you know. And uh, and in some way, the, the if somebody actually has a good life, a Labrador kind of thing, if anything, it just makes you feel more of a loser because it's like, what the fuck, man? I should be the last person who deal with this stuff. I should be, there's every conceivable reason for me to just jumping up and down every day feeling ecstatic. What's my problem, you know? And, and in that case, you, I mean, in Bordeaux's case, fuck me, like the guy had a little kid who he loved, right? So yeah. the last thing in the world he wants to do is do something that would cause this kid pain. He thought his existence was causing her pain. Right, which is, yeah, not a good, uh, yeah, that's that sucks. I, you know, I think that's a big joy of being a parent, that some days when you do have your dark days, you can just look over and like, well, I got to keep going for them at the very yeah. least. Sure, 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 sure. But it doesn't help either. No. I mean, what was it? Is his name Tyler, the guy from Lincoln Park? He had a slew of kids. Sure, sure. No, and that's what I mean. Is like there, and that's why, in fact, when people are like, and that's a classic thing when you see this whole so celebrity, their suicide or general self destruction and stuff. A um, bunch of people, of course, have the immediate "fuck you." You're making ten million dollars and or Broadway, and you get to travel around the world having a great life, and you are like, you want to try some hard stuff because that's not hard stuff. Yeah. Yes and no. I mean, yes, it's true. At the same time, you really have no fucking idea what somebody else goes through. You no. know, it's like if uh, the Bordwain case is like, do you think he wanted to leave his kid? Do you think he was going to be like, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to let go because it's like, no, of course not, man. It's like that gives you an idea of what a f- mental fuck, like, I mean, call it for what it is, right? It's a form of mental illness what mental illness does to you oh yeah it just fucks you up and he had his demons i think i think he had a heroin problem back in the early days and that probably was on his back at all times and you know what if he slipped down that slope like oh here i go again i mean there's so many you never know what's inside somebody's head no there's no question about that for sure for sure and you know one thing that i think in my case i find slightly bit difficult to uh, to fix is that in a bunch of situations, like a lot of like the sort of my anxiety and why kind of spike in the last few years is of course, when you have like somebody who's in this case, my wife, somebody you're super close to dies in front of you and you have nothing you can do about it, makes you feel powerless, makes you feel like, you know, you are in a bowling alley and you are, you know, there's some cosmic ball player who's throwing the ball and when it hits you, it hits you and there's nothing you can do about it. But that's so true too. That's the problem about it. You know, if it's like you have some weird fucking anxiety that makes no sense, the rational mind can kick in and say, look, you're being ridiculous. You know, it's a little spider. You don't need to be scared of the goddamn spider. And granted, you know, the fact that the rational mind is not going to cure you from some phobia or something. But it can help a little, you know, it can help get the ball rolling, at least in a direction where there's a part of you will go like, okay, I am convinced of that. And you slowly shift to something. In this case, it's hard because the very existential conditions of life are what they are. 
I'm not making it up. I'm no. not stretching it. I'm no. not. You're exactly describing it. Unfortunately, I'm looking at things exactly as they are. Yeah. And the only way that we can function and get beyond it is find a way to just be ridiculously stoic about living in the moment, enjoying right now, because there's no past and no future, right? There's no guarantees, or if anything, the only guarantees is that shit will be taken from you. Yep. So it's heavy. It's uh, it, it's such a strange thing because I kind of I'm I'm always kind of prepped the same way that I know the dark days are coming. Right. What is that? Yeah. But yeah. I feel like at least I'm a little more prepared. Right. And I do try to enjoy each day. And man, do I hate when I mess up or get angry at the wrong person or talk, say something inappropriate. Not even inappropriate, just something that hurts feelings. Right. Not even purposely, just being snarky. I try to keep that shit in check. Yeah. Because I don't want my last thing. And who knows, man? Maybe that, knock on wood, but maybe that tanker truck's waiting for me on the way home today. You sure. just don't know. Of course. But to sit around and, and, and worry about it every day, you would get nothing done. It's amazing that we can compartmentalize it as well as we can. Yeah. And I think that's the problem, that normally that's something that people, A, have to do, and B, you know, you can do with different degrees of success. I think when it hits really close to home, when the reality of it, not the theoretical reality, which we are aware of, but it's, you know, it's like, oh, shit, I know that everybody dies. I know that bad things happen. I know, but you know it in a more intellectual kind of way. Or, you know, my distant friend to whom uh, this thing happened, that's different. Yeah. When he hits right next to you, when the mind goes off on the person next to you, that's a different kind of feeling. It's a little harder to just say, oh, well, I'll live in the moment and push it aside. Or rather, it's easy when stuff is going to shit. It's harder when you actually go back to having a life and having things to lose. It makes you almost feel... Like you're cheating or you're getting away with something. Yeah. And A, you know that you don't know how long you got away with it for. Yeah. And B, so, I mean, I think that's my mental fuck up is that I understand that kind of the source of a lot of my anxiety is based on the very real existential things that make make the key elements of our life, you know? It's funny, you know, now that I'm, now that I'm reflecting, yeah. the summer was rough for me because my pal Mike. All right. That brain cancer came, and that's a guy that did not need to die. Right. That church was packed because he'd done so many great things for so many people. This is the kind of fellow we need in this world, and they're taking him out. Including giving us a studio to record uh, Drunken Taoist in the early days. For a long time. Yep. And never asked for anything other than, let me know how it's going. Yep. Good luck, guys. Absolutely. We could use a thousand more of him. Yeah. No, and I think that's... So that... Yeah, now that you mention it. So I don't know if I felt the kind of the way you're describing, but there was, like, the summer was kind of like, wow. Yeah. I felt it. Yeah, and I think ultimately, I mean, the problem is, and I've written about it and I talk about it, so I know the other side of the equation, right? I know what it is when you actually feel liberated by going like, fuck it, yes, bad things can and do happen, but not right this second. Yeah. And I'm going to enjoy it right now. And that's powerful. You know, that feels good. The thing is not always able to pull it off. Some days, some moments I can. Some days I can't. Well, today's your lucky day, sir, because right. Richie Mon Snake Oil Super Happiness Spray is right. now available for a limited time. All right. Just take this. Uh, take this. 
yeah, and I think that's where all the self-help doesn't ever work, does it? Is like, do these seven habits that will make you never be anxious. Do these, take the three pills that will... It doesn't work that way, no. you know? It's like... Um, but I wouldn't want it to work that way. I think the experience is what I don't it know, is man. for Sometime a reason. when yeah, I'm getting... I, I, just, I just can't even... Hopefully I don't find out anytime soon. When I'm but, in the middle of getting my ass horrendously kicked, when it lasts for too long... There's the moment where somebody puts a button in front of you and they say, look, you lose all your gifts, your sensitivity, your this and that is gone, but you're going to live a happy, mellow, normal life. It's like, finger button, I see it, it's getting closer. It's... <sighs> then, of course, once the, ten- once the pressure is up this much, you're like, no, 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 no. It's like, I want to be me. I, you know, despite it all, again, blessing and curse, I enjoy being me. Fuck it. No, I want my sensitivity included with the hard stuff. Yeah. But like anything else, it's a matter of how much pressure. You know, there is a breaking point where you would sign up for being random guy on the street with McDonald's every day and never think about anything beyond that and manage to go through life semi-okay. You're like, uh, start that same shit that looked horrible when I was feeling good, start looking more and more appealing by the second. Now, the fact that I'm even saying it, which of course is not something that I want to say, or I'm like, yeah, that's such a cool thing. That tells you something that how, how much when you're getting your balls crushed, how much you're looking for a way out, you know? Wow. Because it's, and, and again, right now, as we chat about it, I think I'm out. You know, I think is that particular period that has been grinding me down for the last few weeks. I think I'm, I feel it kind of fading in the background. Um, so that's good. The bad part is that I know it will come back and it will happen again. And so it's one of the things where it's like in the times in between, you try to just take a really deep breath figure out if there are any tools that you can arm yourself with for the next time to be able to deal with it a little better. And that's the ride, right? That's that's the gig. I got nothing. To oh add my to god, that. I broke rich. That's just heavy. I you know there's I don't no there's no jokes, there's no goofing at this point. I do however think when you get your 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 holiday gift from me. It will, uh, it will improve the mood considerably. It huh? can't help but not. If it doesn't, we can always go for, for more persimmons. You know what I did yesterday <laughs> that felt so good, and I can't wait to be in a place where I can do it in a slightly less do-it-yourself kind of way. I was feeling, you probably can tell by my voice, I was feeling like a little under the weather and feeling like I'm about to get sick or something. I think we've all got it right now. Yeah. I went in my car. I had a long commute. And um, I just started cranking the heater, you know, windows up, layers on me, cranking the heater and turned it into a sauna, right? Mobile sweat lodge. Totally. I'm driving and I'm just dripping sweat and I keep cranking. I even got a warning from my iPhone saying uh, <laughs> the, the, phone's burning the temperature up. is too high. Cool down the iPhone. <laughs> you know, that was kind of funny. But I'm like, I was having my own man-made sauna in the car. And the process of sweating a lot, man, that feels good. That in itself releases something right there where it's like there's a, oh, 
okay, there's some pressure went out, literally like some steam went out of your body. So there's something to be said for that. Was there some awesome music going along with that? Mm, there can be, not yesterday. Yesterday was just sweat, motherfucker. You know, that's... Uh, I think I look forward to being in a situation where maybe I can get a sauna or I have access to a sauna on a regular basis. Well, you're going to be in Ojai, so that, so that would problem be, solved. Yeah. It's going to be hot so, there in the summer. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> that part I don't like so much. <laughs> I like more the choosing to be in, a, in almost what feel like a ceremonial space, right? You yeah. go in, sweat like crazy, you get out. Is uh, That will be... That would be the plan for me. Maybe it's time for a Lakota visit. Right? That's exactly what it is, right? Essentially, that's a sweat lodge in a nutshell. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of that. That feels good. So I'm on the many, many tools that can make a 0.1% difference. That's one. That's that's not a bad one. Well, before you ever press that McDonald's button, yeah, give me a call. Okay, so I'm good. <laughs> Where... Yeah. We like you the way you are. Yeah, no, but we don't like you the way you are right now. Right, 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 right. And and I think that's what's funny. It's like I was talking. Um, I mean, I could take this badly, but I don't because I don't see it as a that just my own weird shit. But like I was talking with Savannah at one point, like a week ago or two weeks ago or something, and I said, "Savannah, have you noticed anything different about me the last two months? Have you felt that like my mental space is? She lives with me." She's right next to me. She's like, nope, did not. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. The only reason I know is because you've mentioned it the past I'm couple times. Fucking drowning, you know. But I don't and see it either. Right. No, and I understand. And it's um, and again, I'd rather have that than the kind where it happens to people where you really fucking crush them. You know what? They can do anything. They can. You know, if you put a mic in front of me, I can record any podcast. If you make me. Anything I do, I'll do it and function. But it's the difference between the internal perception and the external actions. And uh, so, if we we've been doing this eight years, sure. So, if we had a chart, sort of one to ten, yeah. Where were you with this in year one? Was that like down in a three? And um, got, well, let's see. I guess yeah. ten. Let's say make it higher. Seven's the worst. Sure, sure, sure. Where did you achieve in the past couple of years, and where are you at now? I think it got progressively better every year um my weird phases would be they got lighter over time and that's why i think this one caught me by surprise because it was back to heavy for no reason i could identify again the four things i told you earlier i'm like yeah those are all real but what the fuck they're not that apocalyptic as not to, really that new either right exactly some are the same that are on all the time and some are new but they don't feel at least rationally that apocalyptic so um, i don't know man that's why that's why it caught me by surprise you know it's like i think also one thing that may have happened over time is that before I was in a full kind of hypochondria kind of thing where I would chase the symptoms of physical stuff that that never turned out to be. But it's like, it's always that I have some kind of anxiety. I give myself some physical issues so that then I can chase some anxiety about that. I think I've gone through the process enough times that there's a part of me that goes like, come on, you know, are we seriously going to run that game again? And so now I just realize when the anxiety kicks in, I realize, no, it's mental. It just 
it's in my mind, it's my emotions, it's not something else. And so like something that, for example, I never, ever, ever had a thought about, which is like, uh, oh, maybe you can go crazy, you can lose it. You know, I never had that thought before, right? A couple of times around this time, I was like, holy shit, I can't keep control of my mind. It's just doing these weird things that I don't have a hold on. And uh, and I think before is like he was doing the same thing, but he, I would explain it rationally. But oh, of course, you are legitimately worried about this particular issue. Now I realize that that's bullshit, and so I have to face the fact that it's just my mind doing it. There's some you know? awesome episodes coming up, folks. Lily <laughs> <laughs> cracks. If I haven't, yeah, convinced of it. Yeah, I think is. Um, so I think yeah, that was the part that caught me by surprise this time around. I you think. Know? One thing that kind of comes to mind is when you were first dealing it, when we first were starting this, you were in such a mode of Isabella was little. Mm-hmm. I think with her getting older and starting to branch out on her own, she's kind of at that age and it's just going to get more and more. I think that's a pressure that's been released and perhaps your mind has found something to fill that void with. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. No, and that's um, that's probably the biggest shift that's been going on over the past. Yeah, my life is good now. I mean, if you think about where my life was in 2012 when we started recording, yeah, I was not in a good place. I mean, I was in a, I, I did some cool stuff. I was handling the amount of shit I had pressuring on me better than I would expect. But still, like the objective conditions were heavy. And I would handle my shit and then have my breakdowns and then handle my shit again and then take care of business. But I was dealing, you know, I was making zero money. My teaching thing was going nowhere. I had nothing else going on. I had Isabella Little to take care of pretty much entirely by myself. I had lost a house. I, had, I mean, everything was shit right yeah. around me. I made it work, but it was heavy. I look at my life now and I'm like, Jesus, man, it's like in, and I think that's where sometimes also is a good idea to pat oneself on the back because I look at that, I'm like, man, I've been able to do things in the last few years that people who don't deal with heavy shit can't do in a lifetime. Right. I've done some of them while dealing with tremendously heavy shit. So good for you, Daniele, nicely done. At the same time, that does not help you when you feel like, those moments where you feel like your head is underwater, all of these is like, that's sweet. I still can't breathe. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't know. It's so such a equation to all this autoimmune stuff that goes on with people. Mm-hmm. Once again, nobody knows why. Sure. Nobody always call. It's almost like your immune system gets tricked and switched on mostly by antibiotics, which we're learning more and more about. But sure. that's a whole different subject. But it's almost like that really tough time that you came out of. It's almost like your emotional or your mental immune system is ready to be triggered by something and knowing that the next thing's coming. Yeah. And it probably functions very much the same way because... Yeah, there are days when I would wake up and as soon as I open my eyes, I just feel this sense of gloom and doom heavy on me. Nothing happened. I had a good night's sleep. And it's there. And you're like, holy shit, today's going to be a hard one, you know? And other days, it's so... It's not there. And you breathe and it's easy and it's fun and no problem. And for reasons that who knows why, that particular day, it's there. And it's weighing heavy on you right from the start.
apologies, but we need to do a super quick sponsor shout out. So here we go with 30 seconds. Imagine for a moment it's the year 1997. A mix of vodka, cocaine, and crystal meth has sent you into a blackout yet again. When you come to, a prostitute is returning your money to you and asking you to please leave. And when you wake up the next day, you wonder to yourself, how did this happen again? That's the story of Farrell M., who as of today has been sober for nearly 20 years, is a successful lawyer in New York City, and told his entire story to host Mike S. in the podcast, Keep Coming Back, Real Stories of Sobriety and Recovery. Everyone loves a comeback. We all fall down, but it's a story about getting up that can inspire us all. That's Keep Coming Back, Real Stories of Sobriety and Recovery. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Let me jump into uh, our pal, good old pal, Friedrich Nietzsche from uh, Surfing Nietzsche T-shirt fame. Actually, that's uh, this is the larger passage related to the quote on the back of that T-shirt. There's, um, let me see if I can turn it into decent English on the fly, because any translation you find online is like, reads like the King James Bible or some crap, <sighs> Tao and things that are ridiculous, so... I'm going to run with it, but let's see. There's a line there that's, um, well, not just a line. I think actually the whole book, The Spoke Zaratustra, spoke to me a lot uh, when I read it first and forever after because it deals with a lot of these things. It deals with incredibly powerful emotions and and grappling with them. Um, the end of this passage by Nietzsche, where, which is then quoted on our Drunken Taoist t-shirt, says, um, I've known the noble ones who lost their highest hope, and after that they disparage all high hopes. Um, there's, I'm going to sk- skip a couple of lines that are too much King James Bible crap, and then it goes, Once they thought of becoming heroes, but now... The hero to them is uh, trouble and the terror. But my love and hope, I beg you, don't throw away the hero in your soul. Maintain holy your highest hope. I love that because there's a recognition that, yeah, sometimes shit hits hard, <laughs> you know. There's no way to spin it in a way that doesn't make it feel that way, you know. Sometimes it's fucking hard. At the same time, there's nothing irrationally that anybody can tell you that doesn't make it feel like it's hard. But there's that sense of there's still something beautiful right there, right around the corner. And I don't mean like, oh, wait, and you'll see beautiful things will happen. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I mean right around the corner right now. It's right in front of your nose, just past the layer of heaviness, anxiety, and depression. There's something magical happening right here, right now, around you. And that's not to discount the heaviness you're dealing with, but it's like, come on, if you can just pierce through three millimeters, you can get the breath of fresh air that come there. And it's going to, and again, and then it becomes, you know, don't, don't throw away the hero in your soul. Because that's what it boils down to. You know, why, why do we like all the hero stories so much? Because 
you know, in ordinary life, you don't need no fucking hero. It's like you can take care of it because it's ordinary life. The the thing that where the hero comes in is when you're dealing with circumstances that are objectively really difficult to deal with, where it's perfectly understandable for people not to be able to deal with them well. And the hero element is where, in spite of it all, you do it anyway. You know, in spite of it all, you do find a way to bleeding, scarred, uh, dragged along, suffering, but you may find a way regardless and you don't take no for an answer. And we love it as a species. I mean, I don't know if be Joseph Campbell or, or mm-hmm. wrestling matches, we love it when the good guy gets beat down, but at the last moment, yep. when all hope seems against, he rises up. If I may, one more thing on that. I just watched a documentary about uh, George St. Pierre. Um, and, you know, George and Pierre GSP to me is one of my is one of my two or three favorite fighters ever. And uh, partially, bec- well, not only because, as people say, he speaks with my accent. He doesn't. He has a French-Canadian accent, <laughs> motherfuckers. So I have an Italian accent. But still, GSP, what I love about him is that, A, he's a supremely nice guy, ridiculously polite, always sweet, always just a good person all around. But B, and the thing that does come up in the documentary a bit, he grapples with his demons big time. Because you see him and he's happy and smile and sweet and he's always a kind guy. So you think like, oh, he deals with some... I mean, he's a case of a guy who, for example, is majorly obsessive compulsive. And he managed to turn that into something to become what he became to you know he literally will tell you That's you know as i walk precision comes from i feel that if i step on that crack then all hell is gonna break loose wow. and in order to if i did step on the crack now i have to do these 10 things to undo what i just did and so he goes through life on a daily basis with that stuff it's not easy no you know, it's not <laughs> easy and he does hint in the documentary at the yeah, people don't realize it because I try to be a nice guy, but fuck do I have demons inside that I grapple with all the time. And the beautiful thing about his story is that he managed to be the last guy you would imagine considering his personality, considering what MMA typical is like, you know, hardcore dudes covered in tattoos and... GSP is so spoken, he's mellow, he's nice, and he has excelled in MMA in a way that pretty much no one has. You know, there's maybe John Jones, but there are asterisks on his career. He's basically undefeated, but there's the asterisk on steroid use and all of that that you're like, okay. With, with GSP, is just two defeats in an entire career facing nothing but monsters. Both of those defeats avenged. You cannot write a better career, you know. He came back from ACL injuries, which most athletes do not, and still thrive, won a second. I mean, it's like he's the kind of guy that you want to see succeed, and it's just beautiful to see a guy like that pull it off. I think it's called Take Down the DNA of GSP. Hour and a half, really well done. It follows GSP career, interview with some of the people behind the scene, and really gives you an insight on some of his own, uh, like the mental struggles that he dealt. Okay, check this out about GSP, it's funny. Most guys in MMA have to talk themselves up about how badass they are and how they aren't afraid, they are this. GSP in every single fight, like every three seconds, the thing that comes up is, I'm scared, I'm intimidated. This is fucking heavy, I don't know what to do. 
You know, he wow. sounds like the guy who is not going to be able to make it fly. But somehow he uses it to his advantage, I'm Every sure. Every time he pulls it off. If you listen to him when he's on the chair in between rounds, I can't even tell you how many fights he's still in his corner. I mean, he's not saying I'm going to quit, but basically. He's getting me, man. He's, just... he's like, I, my eye, I, I got poke in the eye. I can't see from this eye no more. And his corner is like, you have another good eye. You'll be okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> you why know? he got to... It's like... Uh, my favorite was when Greg Jackson, you know, GSP was like, I pull my groin. I'm, uh, and you know, he was like, Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> he was like three or four rounds in won all of them. So, you know, you just need to last another one or two. And he's like, I pull my groin. I pull my groin. I don't know what to do. And uh, Greg Jackson was like, grab your groin and hit him with it. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> And I think, you know, Jackson knows that that's what's going to happen with GSP Mind. Every time he's going to doubt himself, he's going to have that moment where he wants to give up. And he just needs to give him a tiny little nudge to help him not do that, you know. But that's what's funny, man. It's like it's the opposite of what you normally see. GSP is scared every single time wow. he steps in. And he's the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Yeah, that's what I mean. Doesn't that say a lot? Yeah. That says, uh, there's a crazy story that he told on Joe Rogan's podcast once about, um, he was bullied like crazy as a kid, got beat up a bunch and all of that. And he says once, uh, when he was an adult UFC world champion, he ran into one of his bullies on the street mm. and this guy was uh, homeless now. His first intent was he just wanted to pummel him. Mm -hmm. And then he was just like, he gave him money and walked Pity away. Him. Some of it pity him. Some of it, there was also a bit of a fuck off in it, where he's like, you used to pummel me and bully me. Now I'm a world champion and I can give you my... You know, some of it, there was a kindness element, but some of it was also an in the, uh, take the higher road, fuck you kind of way, where it's just like... Well-deserved. Yeah, which I think is the least that anybody would do given the circumstances. Yeah. But yeah, man, that's uh, so that's why GSP is one of my absolute heroes when it comes to stuff like that, because he's just uh, amazing. You know, he's not the guy built with this mold of being tough. Uh, you know, some guys have no fear. They have none of that. He He's the exact opposite, and he thrives in a way that I've never seen. So he's the man. Going back to the Nietzsche quote, yeah, because I see it all the time. Because mm -hmm. that's that's the Dionysian shirt, I think. I don't think that's on on his. It's we a did different, it, It's I a think, different one on his. Okay, on this is what Nietzsche. happened. No, on surfing Nietzsche, that's what we have. Dionysian shirt originally had no quote on the back until one day Bennett calls me. And he's like, "Oh man, we printed you a batch and we put the Nietzsche quote on the back of the Dionysian." Is that why she's got? Is that, that one? okay? And I'm like, "Yeah, I don't think anybody will mind." So, but I've contemplated many times one of her favorites because those sure design shirts sure are light and delicious, right? Um, I always thought it meant if you do give away or lose the hero in your soul, it'll never come back. Yeah. I think there's definitely I think that. It's a I think warning. it's a yeah. I mean, it's like you're not. You can be hurt. You can get knocked down. You can whine and complain and saying "fuck it all." I don't want this anymore. That's fine. Even that's fine. Yeah. Don't act on it. You know, there's the moment where you actually turn cynical and just give up any hope or all of that is like. 
then there's no point. Then you have kind of given up on life. And, you know, you can be successful and even maybe be, but if you become a snarky, cynical, whatever kind of hustle, you're not doing anybody you interact with a favor. Well, the worst thing you can do is destroy the inside. Yeah, never mind exactly what you do to yourself, for sure. So, no, that quote, I love that quote. That's, that's why. a great one. And I think that's why surfing Nietzsche, why did we do the surfing Nietzsche teacher? Because it's exactly this, right? Nietzsche dealt with all this heavy shit, crushed him eventually. The idea of surfing Nietzsche is, ideally, you can still have that sensitivity and not get crushed and enjoy surfing and both metaphorically and literally in the case where you can just a more light-hearted happy Nietzsche you know that's the goal of it all I so. hear a report that, that is almost a mascot at San Francisco State's philosophy department yeah happy Nietzsche is we the, handed him out when Emily graduated and sweet I have to get another batch for Right. Me. Happy Nietzsche is... I love Happy Nietzsche. Yeah. It's a great one. It's a great you one. You know what it is? Is a bunch of these t-shirts are six that I would have wanted as tattoos. But I'm like, do I really have to cover my body? Let's make a t-shirt. <laughs> it's like sometimes I'm... Uh, yeah. There's a... The ladies in the house, they're the tattoo freaks. I'm a minimalist. Yeah, yeah. But so, when I go, I go immediately. Right. <laughs> so the t-shirt You were talking about that yin-yang eons ago. You had designs and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, there's a bunch of stuff that uh, I thought about. But I'm like, I like my T-shirts. I can do it that way. That way I don't feel like wearing it. I don't have to. I'm I don't need to change it. skin. I can do something else. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, so I think, I don't know that there's a larger point beside what we have been saying. I think, uh, I think the larger point is that it, it's a fucking battle for everyone who's alive and is even remotely sensitive, and that's understood. That's just how it is. And it's not going to change. It's not going to suddenly, tomorrow is going to get ridiculously easy and all is going to be... No, that's just not life. John Denver used to sing to us, Some days are diamonds, some days are coal. Yeah. And uh, part of the gig is that... Don't throw away the hero in your soul. You know, it's just find a way to... Because the thing to... And that's the easy one to forget. When it hits hard, you think it's always going to be that way. And you feel that it has been an unbroken string of shit since the last time it felt bad. Yeah. And of course it's not. There have been all the times in between. But those times kind of disappear from your consciousness when you are in that state. You feel like nothing before. Yeah, there has been that moment too, but that's... The blind is around. Really, I've been under this heavy shit since the last whatever many years. It's like, no, you haven't. You have been some moments and you are just drawing a line between these valleys and not realizing that there were plenty of peaks in between. So sometimes even just purely the patience of just going, it's not going to fucking last. I just need to, if I can get out, I can maybe at least outlast it. And then it's going to lift a little bit. And if I haven't started, if I haven't identified with this feeling, if suddenly I'm not like, I'm the depressed one or I'm the anxious one. And that's the story that you tell yourself you when you're feeling good, spoiling thereby a good thing. Then you can have those good moments again. And then you can kind of stick your head out on the other side and take a deep breath and go like, oh, I remember this. This feels good, you know? So, yeah, there is no Cinderella story of, oh, you're going to be happy ever after and it all is going to go away. Probably won't. But there's, uh, as long as you can 
steal those moments and extend them and lengthen them and work and fight to make them last longer. That's a good result right there. And to push through those three millimeters when you need to. Yep, because that's what it is. It's not night and day difference in time, it's millimeters that make the difference. So it's kind of Christmas time. I'm on my way to Amoeba Records. For those of you who are not, think of uh, the way the Tower Records used to be. Right. It was a giant used section. Right. Flipping through CDs. There's vinyl in there. There's DVDs upstairs. They're going to close it and going to move it, unfortunately. Which Old school will it. But oh my God, it's the best. And I just love it. I'm going there to find some gifts for my friends and family. Right. Um, but the last time I was there, strolling along minding my own business, uh, one of my favorite bands from back in the day was the Replacements. Replacements. They never really made. They're like the they're the best band to never make it. Hmm. But they um their big album Tim was probably their biggest record. Um, Please to meet me was the one that was sort of. Please to meet me probably came out in like eighty six. Um, I guess the only sort of hit they had was "You Be Me for a While" and "I'll Be You" was a hit kind of okay. eighty seven. Um. But they were raw, and they were often drunk, and they were just, you know, great at what they did with these pre-grunge, just kind of straight-up rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And after Please to Meet Me, which is such a great song, like they got Alex Chilton, some just super great. Right. I, I know a CD you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> um, but that was kind of when REM was hitting. Yeah. And these guys, for like the past two records, like, oh, this is the one. This is going to break them. This is going to break them. And that next record was called Don't Tell Soul. Well, apparently, the record company took what sounded just like the next one in the progression should have meant and handed it off to some genius that covered it in reverb and made it more poppy and just... And I love the record, don't get me wrong, but it was clearly different and like the hardcore fans from all the way back were very upset that they had done this to their precious band. So... Month ago, two months ago, I'm strolling through Amoeba, and there is a new replacements record sitting up. Uh, what? How can no that one be? Right. These guys have broken up and yeah. don't talk, and one's dead, and they drink, and they found the original mix of that record before Reverb Guy got a hold of it. And I swear to you, it was like a gift from an alternate dimension, because despite being the same track, sure, recorded by a guy Matt. Wallace? I think, yeah. Cause, and the only reason I knew of him is um, my friend Gooding got to do a record at Sound City, and this guy did right. like Faith No More and yeah. lots of big bands back in the days. Um, he did his record, so I met him, and then I see the Matt Wallace mix. I was like, right. oh, what is this? And it was literally like all that stuff stripped away and, and instruments that were hidden away and choruses and the fun and the energy of the band arrangement goes a long way it's amazing yeah, of course it's because it is the same track right yeah yeah but, it but makes... the geniuses of how they stack this stuff together and it was just such a pleasant thing and i think folks awesome. are i think i think pearl jam's starting to do it too so i'm not really hoping that everybody decides 
to remix everything. But, but what a great thing at the right moment. There's some stuff that really does the trick, right? Where the way it's set. I was listening um, to some stuff yesterday. Same artist covering the same song like three times in dif slightly different way, completely different. Oh, wow. Right? Where And it's not that different, right? It's like you totally recognizable, but one is like, that's eh, a good song. One is like, oh, my God, that's amazing, you know? And it's those little tweaks that sometimes make all the difference. Oh, it's amazing. And like when you talk about covers, something shouldn't be messed with, you think? But I don't know if you've have you ever heard Disturbed do the Sound of Silence, like like that hard metal band Disturbed doing. The, no, I haven't checked it out. Oh, that'll be the first thing That's we do when the two. Exactly, it's, it will blow your mind because when that guy with that voice and when the people stopped and right. prayed, it's like oh my god, stumbled across a Joe Cocker cover of the Letter. Give me a ticket. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. It may be the greatest cover of all time. There's 17 people on stage and they are all feeling it. And that's a great song. I didn't think it could be, ever be better. And it is so much better. Oddly enough, played it for my son. He likes the other version better. Ah, uh, yeah. Sometimes it works like that. And that's fine too. I had a sister throwing around a different version of the same song. There's a, there's a famous song from uh, kind of the Warriors in Italy called the Bella Ciao that became kind of a. It used to be a, something that like peasant women working in the fields would sing in the early 1900s. Then was turned into kind of a resistance song during World War II, and it became primarily an anti-fascist song. And so I see the other day this thing and there's like this crowd in Italy of like pack plaza and they're all singing it, right? And it's powerful because, you know, you got a bunch of voices in this crowd in the rain singing this song was powerful. And then I was like, oh, did anybody cover it, right? And everybody and their grandma covered it, right? There's, so I get a version that's a Manu Chao version. So it's all reggae-like and all mellow in Spanish, actually. Then I got a Tom Waits version oh. where Tom Waits is singing it with this low, dark, heavy voice. It, it's, Great it's, in its own it, way. It's funny you say that. <clears throat> I just must interject that, that a part of that replacements record is a whole album of shit they record with Tom Waits on a drunk evening. Right. So there's that. Oh, God, right? I love Tom Waits. He does. Oh, you love that one because he has that, this whole thing up. where uh, I woke up and there was a fascist at my door and there's this whole thing they are doing it with like 2016 elections that Tom oh. Waits clearly was not fond of, so that was kind of funny. How do you spell that? That the name of that song? Uh, Bella is B E L L A, yeah, and then uh, second word a child C I A O. So there was the Tom Waits version, and then I found uh, an Italian punk rock band doing it like super fast, super hard. It's like it's hilarious, man. Okay, so I think we'll just have to wrap up the episode so we can start playing these things to one another and check them out and listen to what's up. To have the last tiny bit about music, um, did you are you familiar with the Aberfam disaster in in, uh -huh. in Britain? No. Apparently, 60, 66, there was this coal mine and they would take all the junk and the slurry and they would stack yeah. it up. They called them tips. They were supposed to never be over like 20 or 30 feet high. They were hundreds of feet high right. all along, and one broke one day, and it killed 161 children in a Jesus. schoolhouse. Jesus. So uh, the only reason I know about this is much, it's like, I'm, I'm learning history from my TV shows, yeah. Tulsa 1921 and this disaster. But there's a scene in there, and apparently it is the way it went down. Right. They buried 
70 of them, little caskets, right. all lined up. And the people all come out and they sang this song that I can, I can feel the chills again. Right. That all that pain came pouring through them. Yep. And it is, you know, old kind of churchy hymn. Sure. But it was glorious. Sure. And um, I don't know. Some. I think when push comes to shove, there's no question in my mind that the music will save us. Dig it. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another fine episode of the Drunken Dows podcast. I just thought that was pretty great stuff. Danielle really did a good job trying to tell us how it feels and, and what it's like and how it co- I don't know. You heard it all. I just really appreciate him doing it. I hope it helps some of you out there. So since we're showing in the holiday mode right now, we don't have any donations this week, but we'll be back with the next one for the second January podcast. So stay tuned for that. And if you want to uh, donate a little money, the donation uh, link is on our website, thedrunkendowist.com. Imagine that. That's a pretty good name for that. Check it out there to help us keep it all up and running. And real quick, we'll go through all the folks that help us. Of course, the one who's been with us from the very beginning, onnit.com, O-N-N-I-T.com, Alpha Brain, fitness products, all kinds of awesome classes you can take online, onnit.com forward slash Taoist, shirtdesigntshirts.com, there to uh, make you a little more fashionable with their great soft t-shirt designs and uh, cool onks and ganeshes and all kinds of wacky stuff that might offend some of your neighbors, all the more reason to wear them grasslandbeef.com the grassland folks do a really great job with what they're doing the beef is always delicious i've got pounds of bison we're going to turn to burgers in a couple weeks so we'll have a update about that one and of course our good friends at daisy house for the awesome theme music which we always appreciate and of course keep coming back podcast so we invite you to listen to that that also will do a lot of good folks for uh those who are in recovery and i think we all know somebody All right, y'all. 2020 is going to be nutty. Let's try to be nicer to each other this year. And uh, here we go. Who knows what we'll be talking about a year from now. Have a good day. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dows Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see you all soon. Woo! In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs>
This was great. Fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's. <laughs> So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought... <coughs> Sorry. Well... <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> What do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. Why?